Hi. Hi. This is Double Bluff. The comedy podcast where we teach a lot and lie a little. I'm Renee. And this is Carissa. And every episode, we are going to tell you a bunch of stuff about a thing. And one of the things that we say is going to be a complete lie. So the lie is a snake in the grass and you've got to be wary of it, but you need to guess where it is because that's the point of the game. But today, neither of us are going to be lying to you today. Why is that? Are we ditching the format? Are we ditching <laughs> the whole podcast? Are we going to Never. just share choice recordings from our latest therapy sessions instead? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I mean, maybe. I mean, what else do you guys want to hear? Are there is there is there another podcast idea we could be doing right now? Actually, if you do have another podcast idea, please send it to us. We yeah. we would trial it for free. Um, yeah, yeah. Because here's the thing: is that we are running out of things. <laughs> We're running out of things. We're basically at this point so close to just like looking up stuff you should know, copying things that they've talked about, and then lying about half of the things that they talk about. So yeah. neither of us today are going to lie. A third, a third mystery person is gonna lie. How exciting is that? That's so fun. I've so I have wanted to have a guest on since the very beginning of the podcast. This is something I've wanted. I don't know about you, Renee. Are you also extremely excited? Because I have wanted this for the longest time. I'm very excited, but I'm very nervous to pull somebody into our psychic space that we have going on here. Psychic and, space? We um, we do a third-rate comedy podcast. <laughs> I know, but the psychic connection that we have over our Zooms together, just the intangible... Uh, just the the intangible sensual connections that we have over our, uh, the interwebs. You know, it's intimidating to pull another person into that and be like, you know, are we are we gonna vibe? Even though you mm -hmm. know we know you very intimately and personally, and we like you as a person. You know, yeah. are, are our psychic vibes going to eat you alive? That's what I want to know. Eat him alive. Okay, spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> okay, that's spoiler. So it's a guy. We'll keep you waiting. We'll keep you guessing for a little bit longer about the rest of him. Yeah, like really excited to have someone on. I remember like when we were first talking about guests, I was like extremely ambitious. Uh, what's that podcast you listen to? How to Get Away with Murder? What's that podcast? My Favorite Murder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like so confident we could get them on. I was like, you wow. know what? The podcasting community is tiny. We could totally get these people on. <laughs> First of all, that's a flawed premise. The podcasting community is not tiny. It's the most it's the most free and available thing to make. And so therefore there are millions of like broke little podcasts just like this. Also, <laughs> I think you have a touch of depth perception about how famous the girls from my favorite yeah, yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. Just a touch. They're like millionaires. I'm, I'm being sexist. I'm like, who are these little girls who talk <laughs> into a microphone? Like, what are they? They're just silly little ladies like us. I don't understand. We should all just be silly little ladies together. Um, I think, too, uh, the bravery of, of us to open ourselves to the criticism of our of having any man on this podcast when every single episode consistent since this started 
we've said something um genocidally offensive about yeah. men i think yeah so the, i, I the won't bravery, even dispute that I, the bravery of you really i really should i should oh. applaud you specifically. I, i'm brave every day in my life like i approach men all the time despite being um as you put it genocidally <laughs> opposed to them <laughs> I have male friends. I approach them all the time. I go and I order my shawarma just like everybody else. <laughs> okay, but I want to do a quick check-in with you before we have our guest on and we get to tell you who this wonderful person is. Carissa, how are you in this season of Corona? I'm so good. I have two dates oh, lined up. Oh, all right. I'm thriving in Dubai, actually, and I'm very mm-hmm. confident now. I can tell everyone which city I live in because now I'm assured that the Secret Service isn't listening in to our conversation. Your character development is just amazing. Honestly, <laughs> I kind of wish that uh, the Secret Service was listening in because honestly, we could use the listenership. We, I'm just going to be honest. We could use the numbers. So do you want to introduce our guest? Absolutely. Our guest today, we are stepping it up, man. We're stepping it up. We got real we got a real scientist on the podcast. I Mm-hmm. Ah, I'm so excited. I love how, <laughs> you know, this podcast, it's comedy, it's trivia, it's it's a little mm-hmm. bit of science or a little bit of history, and we were like, what do we need? We need someone to fucking embarrass us so bad exactly. right now. So exactly. our guest today, he's got an honors bachelor's of science in biochemistry, and he's a PhD candidate Ooh. in immunology, both at University of Waterloo. So he's working in, in research and science communication at the university, government, and private sectors. And guess what? In his spare time, he's an amateur brewer. I would know. Ooh. I've had his yeah. his brews magical. Uh, he's a forager and a mushroom farmer. So please uh, join us in welcoming our dear friend and yours, Alex Douglas. Woo! Yeah. Hi, Alex. Hey, Renee. Thanks for joining us. Oh, no trouble at all. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we are uh, too excited. This is so strange. It is so strange for us because we usually, we do the weird podcast voice thing and we've become used to um, doing it around each other. It feels like you're watching me perform a a one woman play, (laughs) but it's something that I only do in front of like my mom. And for the first time, (laughs) you're like, I'm opening it up and it feels awkward. Oh, wow. Honestly, I can't relate because my normal speaking voice is a radio friendly voice, so... That is true, That's and true. and that is one of the reasons why you were like first choice tier for um not only because you're like an amazing scientist with like very uh, eclectic hobbies, let's just say, and so you have a lot of interesting things to share, but also because you got that you got the voice kid. Well, thanks. Yeah, preteen Alex decided that needed to happen. That's what we've got today. Did you cultivate it? No, it was cultivated. Yes. <laughs> Like, my natural voice is deep, but my enunciation is, like, something I worked on. Maybe we could also develop radio voices, Renee. Yeah, uh, like, real yes. ones all the time. That's actually one of my least favorite uh, things for a stand-up comic to do. So I won't be participating. I'm just going to have kind of uh, an unprofessional voice for the rest of the podcast, actually. But 
Alex. Um, so today he is here to uh, tell us some things about a topic, which, uh, by the way, I'm not has it officially been shared with us. So we're kind of we're waiting in yeah. anticipation to hear what it is you're going to be sharing with us today. Yeah. So I mean, it's a topic that's uh, very close to my heart, as anyone who knows me well would know. Uh, so I was hoping to talk about frogs today. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> That was literally my first guess. I knew. I was like, what is Alex going to talk about? And then I kicked myself for even asking that question. Because, uh, yeah, as anyone who knows Alex knows, um, frogs is kind of, frogs are kind of your thing. They're definitely my brand. Like, yeah. my office is this year become uh, decorated with various posters of frogs, uh, <laughs> hand drawings of frogs, Christmas decorations that are frogs. So, And I, f I feel like partly that's because once that, like, it, it has become your thing, right? Alex is the frog yeah. guy. And so now every time yeah. it's Christmas, it's your birthday, it's Arbor Day, we're like, what do we get? Um, for Alex, yeah. um, <laughs> just frog paraphernalia. And yeah, I love so. it. So, okay, before we start, just, just contact this for us because I don't think we've, we don't think we've ever gone here before. How did you, how did frogs become your thing? Like what attracted you to frogs? Yeah, so definitely started at a very young age. I was a kid who grew up in the countryside. I was on a property that had a couple of ponds. I had a pool, I had a forest an orchard. It was really a very nice property. But along with me, there were a lot of frogs living there, as well as snakes, turtles, and various other animals that a four-year-old was very interested in catching and putting in Rubbermaid containers. Um, so that was pretty much how I spent like eight hours a day for like three or four years of my life. That explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I had siblings, but I didn't want to hang out with them. I preferred to spend my time with the snakes and the frogs and Aww. yeah, just making them little habitats and feeding them bugs. You could tell I was on the, the frog side of the frog versus bug uh, <laughs> debate from the beginning. So You're kidding. That's so funny because one of the questions that I was about to ask you was frogs versus 100 earthworms. Like which one is cooler? But I think we have our answer. I, I don't know. Is the... Is frogs versus 100 earthworms? Do you still think? I mean, don't get me wrong. Worms are great. And I did listen to the worm podcast, and I thought you guys did a good job, oh, you know, capturing you. the uh, diversity and quality of worms. But yes, if we're talking <laughs> your regular earthworm versus your average green frog, bullfrog, uh, I don't think there is a question there. <laughs> that was a very diplomatic answer um yeah, and, but yeah. i am crushed i am crushed i don't know why i thought 100 of them would somehow increase the cool factor yeah <laughs> like, i mean worms don't really have any sort of uh collaborative skills so they would just scatter they're not building yeah. earthworm <laughs> pyramids you know they don't like no. ask you <laughs> honestly maybe they should they would get some extra points from us because right now you know we're on frogs we're not impressed i bet we're yeah. gonna learn some cool frog skills that frogs do and they're in their, in oh, their we certainly are awesome do they have slavery? Because that's what I would consider an advanced like society. To the best of my knowledge, no. Although that's that's more of an ant thing. We tend to see that in like eusocial insects. Yeah. Um, frogs. Some frogs will work as essentially like nannies for giant spiders. What? And tidy their little burrows and leave their eggs alone, and the spider in turn will let the frog just kind of chill there. 
um, you know. You're just going to be dropping these absolute bombs on us. And I feel like I feel like wrecked by that knowledge. I, uh, I, I can barely continue. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. I'm not going to get ahead of myself. Let's just take it back. Because uh, I, I want to hear I want to hear about Frogs 101 from the beginning. Let's start. Uh, let's start there. Yeah, of course, we've got to start at the beginning. So, I guess yeah. forewarning for the listeners, as Renee mentioned, I am a scientist and I study frogs. So, my knowledge on the subject uh, runs pretty deep and pretty niche. Not all of it would be interesting. Uh, that said, I'm not just going to bore you <laughs> with my PhD thesis or other research projects I've got going on. And all the information that I've included here is unrelated to my personal research. It's just kind of general frog knowledge. That sounds good. So I thought it would be a good topic, uh, not just because of my intense and visceral lifelong interest in frogs, (laughs) (laughs) but also because the general public uh, doesn't really know much about frogs at all. So case in point would be that Kermit the Frog, perhaps the world's most famous frog, certainly one of the most beloved frogs in popular culture, uh, doesn't even actually superficially resemble a frog. So when you guys think about Kermit, (laughs) Presumably you're familiar. What comes to mind? I think he looks like a frog. Have you seen a frog? I have, and I feel like he looks he looks like a frog. No? I would like to submit that Kermit does look like a frog. He's got it's the 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 bill mouth or not the yeah. you know what I mean? Okay, that's that's fair, but that's one quality and as a biologist we kind of have to look holistically at the organism. Mm-hmm. What else mm-hmm. does Kermit have? But he's green and frogs are green. Lots of Sometimes. animals are green. <laughs> Worms can be green. But but he doesn't look like a worm. What I'm saying is he looks more like a frog than he looks like any other creature. No, no. Right? I would like to submit that Kermit does look like a worm, actually, uh, now, that we're, okay. now, that, now that we're talking about it. Um, okay. So I guess to let you in on my feelings on the Kermit subject, <laughs> it's that Kermit has two things that I've never seen a frog have. One of them is that he has a neck frill, and one of them is that he has a neck. Kermit is almost certainly an iguana or an anole. It is (laughs) misrepresenting himself as a frog for reasons unknown. Maybe oh, maybe for the to win the love of his lady the his lady love? Miss Piggy? Piggy? Yeah, maybe she's into frogs and so he just It could mm. he might be frog kin. He's like a frog kin frog iguana. Kin. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. treachery. Wow. And you know what? The little neck frill, I didn't even question it. I was like, of course. Yeah. Of course a frog would have what looks like a decorative like Peter Pan style <laughs> collar like very fashion I, I yeah. you know what I mean yeah I very... thought it was fashion I thought it was a collar <laughs> yeah. that he wore just like Alexander you know. McQueen little accessory he yeah. had there I didn't even question it I mean if you can provide me photos of him taking it off I will reconsider my stance <laughs> <laughs> so so our our cultural expectations for frogs are out of whack that's what we're hearing they are yeah, pretty yeah. out of touch. Interesting. I don't think anyone thinks about frogs in any capacity other than to say, ew, they're kind of slimy. Like, I feel like that's what most of my friends would say. We're not, like, going to look at a frog and then think, oh, they nanny for spiders. Like, there's no cool facts about frogs that I've really ever heard before. Ooh, that's so, a challenge. No, no, but what I mean by that is, like, I, I agree with you that frogs aren't really, you know, a uh, part of the mainstream psyche. I think they're, like, misunderstood. 
Yeah, I think that's kind of the normal stance. I mean, like, we are mammals, and we have our mammal bias. We tend to like the warm and fuzzies, and frogs don't fit into that, you know, Venn diagram at all, so. Yeah, you don't want to go coochie-coochie-coo when you see a frog, right? So that automatically makes it kind of gross to us, I think. I mean, personally, I do, but I can understand that other people have different views. Could you could you repeat that? Could you say coochie coochie coo? I have gone coochie coochie coo to little frogs when I feed them. Take them out of their bath. I want that little sound bite. I want that little coochie coochie coo. That's our new theme song. No, we're gonna auction it off. If you want to hear, we're gonna do an NFT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want this two hundred pound bin of muscle to? say coochie coochie coo buy our cameo (laughs) yeah so i mean once again starting with the basics seeing as frogs are a pretty foreign and confusing topic to most people i just wanted to set the record straight and really lay out the basic froggy facts so before i get into any of my potential bluffs i just want to say the frogs are amphibians and to follow up the first frog fact that i've given you i'm giving you a pop quiz name any other kind of amphibian um a lizard Wrong. Ooh, Carissa. No, wait. An amphibian is something that lives on both um, land and water. I'm an environment student, so if I get this wrong, then I will genuinely have to drown myself. Some lizards can live in water. Some lizards are amphibians, no? So this is the issue with the term. So there's a difference between amphibian purely descriptive. We could say something's amphibious, but there is a family of animals that we refer to as amphibians. And that does not include lizards. Okay, so a frog is an amphibian and okay, salamander. Hold on. <laughs> yes. Oh, sa- wait, salamander. Good one. I was gonna, I was gonna <laughs> embarrass us all and say crocodile. Crocodile is not an amphibian. Salamander's correct. We've got frogs. We've got salamanders. There is exactly one other variety of amphibian alive today. That's so much pressure. What the fuck? I can take the pressure off because you will not guess it. All right. Cool. cool. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. What what is it? So the other species are not species, but, you know, family lineage of amphibians are the Sicilians. You have probably never seen a Sicilian. You likely never will in your life. Uh, They only live in subtropical regions of South America, Central America, Africa, and they look a lot like a worm. They're basically blind. It's like a salamander minus the legs, no eyes, lives underground. So they're older than salamanders, I'm guessing. Oh, we're going to get into that, but really. Now, was it named by a Sicilian or a person who really hates uh, Italian people (laughs) from Sicily? That's the real question. An excellent question. Um, So it's not spelt at all like the term Sicilian, Uh, someone from Sicily. If you saw it, you would probably want to pronounce it like K-Sicilian or Say-Sicilian. Oh, gotcha. It's just one of those wacky Latin-based names that we don't think about because no regular person ever has to say them. Oh, what privilege you have uh, to be a man of science. I'm still so chuffed that I got salamander right, knowing that there are only real, like three real options for what it is. I will say I would have also accepted newt, although newts are a subclass of salamanders. I would not have accepted toad because all toads are frogs. All toads are frogs? 
Yep. All toads are frogs. <laughs> Toad is a meaningless term that just means frog that's a little bit dry. Ah, why did they force oh. us to learn that there was a difference no. in school? I feel like no, they no, no, really no. forced us to learn toads that. Toads were ugly frogs. I did not even know that they were dry frogs. <laughs> it's a value-based statement. It's <laughs> yeah. not real. I just thought toad meant you had more warts. Um, is toad a slur for frogs is what <laughs> I think we would need to ask the toad community, and I don't <laughs> think they would have feelings on it. So, <laughs> Okay, all right, continue, continue. Okay, so um, to go back to what you were saying about amphibians, Carissa. So amphibians, we commonly define them as animals that live part of their life in the water part of their life on land. So this is very misleading because many, many animals that are in the amphibian group don't even try to follow those rules. And many animals that are not amphibians, like turtles, live most of their life in the water, lay their eggs on land. There are many lizards that do this, alligators, crocodiles do this, birds do this, and obviously they're not closely related to frogs or salamanders. So from the get-go, things start getting really weird because we're starting to see that these animals don't really follow the rules that we imagine in our heads for them. So to give some more perspective, salamanders are also amphibians and they're the closest living relatives to frogs. The last common ancestor of frogs and salamanders, which we can think of as kind of like a missing link like we would imagine between humans and apes. Um, and it just gives us a bit of a, a thinking point to imagine how distantly related they are. So this last common ancestor of frogs and salamanders lived over 250 million years ago, mm. which would mean that humans are much, much more closely related to whales than frogs are to salamanders. Mm. Whoa. Okay. That's a lie. Here's why evolution isn't real and God made us all. So already oh, yeah. I've solved this. It's I mean, done, Kalas. We can pack up. You can choose to not think about evolution, but the selective pressures will come for you eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we forgot to mention we're a little bit fundamentalist Christian on this podcast. Uh, just a little uh, cult that uh, doesn't believe in evolution on uh, this podcast. Or men, mm -hmm. really, uh, which is who we were just talking about before you came on. I know. No, that's too, that's so, that's, nature is so insane. Bec like, how are we more related to, to whales than, like, two creatures that more or less, sorry, frogs and salamanders, y'all, y'all look the same, like, in. Yeah. I could make a fat joke, but I won't. Uh, yeah, won't. and you shouldn't, and you shouldn't. Uh. You're welcome. <laughs> but I've made the reference and that is enough for me. I'll bow out now. We can play audience Mad Libs and I'll fill in the blanks there. <laughs> but yeah, so to, to build on that, you know, animals that are very different, but still more closely related than frogs and salamanders, a saltwater crocodile and a snowy owl are much more closely related than frogs and salamanders. Absolutely delightful. Go on. That makes sense. They're both dinosaurs. So a crocodile is not... A dinosaur, although both of them are considered oh. <laughs> archosaurs, which is the, the clade above dinosaurs. But you're right, they belong to the same family in the same way that frogs and salamanders do, but they diverged later. So yeah, basically frogs have been blissfully hopping around for tens of millions of years uh, before the first flower ever bloomed, before the first ant ever decided to give teamwork a chance, or before basically any other living thing that we can imagine or would encounter on a daily basis ever graced this great green earth. That's wow. beautiful. 
I, I sorry I actually I started welling up for a second before the first flower bloomed are you guys dead inside that's so beautiful I feel uh like we owe them something for some reason yeah yeah I mean we in popular science we often refer to animals like this as living fossils mm. um, which is a once again a very misleading term the public don't really understand the connotations I like to think of them as an oldie but a goodie <laughs> <laughs> They've been around for a long time and they just work, so they haven't had to really switch things up too much. Oh, they're like a good grandfather, not a bad one, a good one, the kind that gives you candy and you wanna you wanna make them proud. Pick up, you know, after yourself, don't litter the earth, uh, yeah. don't poison the water while uh, waterways. You know what I mean? Make make grandpa proud. Yeah, they're like the grandpa who decided to start giving out candy as a child and has continued that through his life because he is caring and charismatic rather than the grandfather who gives you candy because he regrets his actions in Vietnam. And all right, all right, go on. So basically what I'm getting at here is that frogs have been frogging for hundreds of millions of years, and that has given them time to come up with some pretty creative ways to go about it. So one of the most fun examples is that the ancestors of frogs had teeth, hmm. but most frogs evolved to lose their teeth. Some frogs then re-evolved their teeth, and then later on, some frogs re-re-evolved to lose their teeth again. So frogs have given up on the whole concept of teeth at least 20 separate times throughout their evolutionary history. <laughs> uh, not gonna lie, when I'm in my most depressive episodes, so do I. <laughs> so teeth are an investment, man. The, and most governments don't believe in investing in dental care. So I get why frogs as a collective were just like, fuck it. I can see what you mean there, but it's weird that the governments and the frogs feel this way about it. <laughs> because we as animals developed teeth before we had bones. So for example, sharks have teeth, no bones. And sorry, sorry, what? So sharks, they have cartilage. Sharks have Bones? They have a supportive structure in their body, but they don't have a bone. It's not ossified. It's not a calcium solid <laughs> bone like we have. Could you imagine a shark with bones? Sorry. Well, to me and my in my world, they have had bones this entire time. So uh, yes, I can. <laughs> um, I will say I'm really grateful that frogs don't have teeth. So some of them do. Is <gasps> But many of them, their teeth aren't teeth like we have because they lost them and had to re-evolve them. They're essentially bony spurs that stick up out of their jaw. Okay, I can get with that. I, I think I can see what you mean. Like it almost looks like Venus flytrap style, right? Kind of, kind of. Yeah, I guess the, the main message from the whole tooth thing is that given that we got teeth before we had bones, teeth are pretty important and have been generally agreed upon to be a pretty important thing to have. And it's weird that an animal would just get rid of them entirely. Even and if you are desperately trying to avoid those dental uh, appointment payments. <laughs> frogs have had a lot of time to work out their shtick. And these days we have frogs that hop, swim, climb, glide through the air, burrow. We've got frogs that eat invertebrates, mammals, birds, reptiles, other frogs. Basically anything they can fit in their mouth that isn't a plant, never a plant. It's really weird. And they defend themselves from animals that want to eat them with camouflage, poisons. Uh, there's even a frog that will break its own bone and stick claws out through its skin wolverine style. What? Okay, hold on. First of all, amazing, crazy, and I did not know that they didn't eat any plants at all. 
that like I I just I didn't look at them and go like this is a bloodthirsty animal. I was like this is a vegetarian. Very interesting. Yeah. But also here break a frog myth for everybody right now. Is the is there really a frog that is hallucinogenic? Yes, probably yes! several. I thought that was a myth. <laughs> no, yeah, licking toads is genuinely hallucinogenic and there are multiple varieties of frogs that have compounds that can make a person high. Have you? I have never. My understanding <laughs> okay. is that it's generally unpleasant, kind of like ODing on nutmeg. Wait, what? So nutmeg is also hallucinogenic, but it's bad. Like you get high for a couple of days, you feel nauseous and yucky the whole time, so you have a bad trip, and then you have flu-like symptoms for like a week. Well, I'm really glad I didn't know about that as a teen because I would have done anything to pretend that I was into drugs. I think I would have OD'd on nutmeg. Yeah, it's um, a very bad time. They kept this information from us for a good reason. Let's just say that. So of all the bizarre ways the frogs protect themselves, eat, you know, go about their lives, they all pale in comparison to the inconceivably bizarre ways the frogs reproduce. So you heard it here first, folks. Frogs? Fuck weird. Nice. Really weird. <laughs> so I'll start by asking, and this is a question I'd like to get your opinions on. How do you think frogs make little frogs? They put their mouths together in a sort of cupping motion. We call that a kiss, Carissa. <laughs> I have not. Uh, I don't know if you know me, but I'm kind of the lesbian incel on this show. So, well, you need one. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe they um, touch their butts together. Okay, I think um, missionary style. So technically, both of your responses are correct. Oh, Because yes. frogs have sex a lot of different ways. It depends on the frog. I was going to say the story of frog reproduction that most people are familiar with goes something like this. So a daddy frog goes to a body of water. He sings his sweet song of love. He meets a mommy frog. They lay The mom lays her eggs. The dad fertilizes them. And then the eggs hatch into tadpoles. Some people call them polywogs. And then the tadpoles will metamorphosize and change into an adult frog. So they grow legs, they take on that adult frog body shape, and then they're able to leave the water. But the thing is, while many frogs do this, it's only one of at least 40 distinct reproductive patterns that frogs are known to use. So they don't all just fertilize eggs. Some actually have intercourse. There are frogs that have internal intercourse, similar to what we're used to as mammals. There are frogs that fertilize their eggs and then do some pretty weird stuff after that. Like for a pur another purpose? Or is this like a Bonobo situation where they're just having fun? Frogs don't really have a concept of fun. Everything they do is for a reason. So when we talk about these reproductive modes, the ritual part that you would think of, the post-reproduction in the, you know, your, your basic frog reproductive story, is that the eggs live in the pond, they hatch into the tadpoles, the tadpoles change into frogs. Mm -hmm. This is the part that changes in other species. Mm. So something related to this that I find it pertinent to mention is that despite us humans using tadpoles as a prime example of how animal development typically reflects their evolutionary history. So we can imagine the tadpole getting legs, the way fish developed legs yeah. and moved on to land. So the present paleontological evidence actually suggests that the ancient precursors of frogs, back when they had teeth, were like pretty much every other vertebrate, and they had normal babies 
that looked basically like little adults. And then at some point, frogs realized that they could save themselves some trouble by having their fetuses hatch early and spend time swimming around, which even I find highly unsettling. <laughs> it is a thing they came up with. It was not the starting system. That's freaking genius. Which frog started this? Because I need to congratulate <laughs> this man. And it was a man because no woman would be ever that lazy. Like that was a male frog who was like, you know what? Let's just let him out early. Let him out. So seeing as, as eggs were being fertilized, I think it had to be a collaborative effort, Carissa, but <laughs> we know that those frogs lived prior to the Jurassic period. So it was at some point between... Oh, so they're all dead. Yes, they are all dead now. Uh, too bad. That's too bad. Yeah, I don't think you've lied yet. All of this sounds above board, so... Oh, it yeah. is. This has just been setting straight the basic facts. <laughs> okay, all right, go on. Okay, so... Moving into the stories that I've come to tell today, out of the 40 plus different sex strategies that frogs use, I have painstakingly selected the stories of three very special frogs. I've entirely made one of these up. Even if you tried to Google them, you would be hopeless. I do not think you would be able to determine whether these are real or fake. But I don't want to be caught Googling frog sex anyway. <laughs> no. If you're ready to go, uh, we can start with special frog number one. Yeah, let's go. Okay, so special frog number one is the Suriname toad. I put this frog first because it is a bad, nasty frog, and I want to call it out. <laughs> so Suriname toads are from a primitive family of frogs that do not have tongues. They also don't have teeth in case you're keeping track. They look like if you made a statue of a normal frog out of clay and then ran it over with a car tire. <laughs> They live on the bottom of slow-moving rivers in South America. This is going to be kind of a recurring feature is that these weird frogs are from South America. And Suriname toads spend most of their time doing their best to just look like a fallen leaf on the bottom of a river. So when a Suriname toad decides that the world needs more terrible pancake frogs, <laughs> they don't even have the decency to sing a song. The males will snap their hyoid bones, which is a bone in their throat, although it's not at all analogous to our vocal cords or a frog's usual vocal sac, and it makes a sound like two metal objects clicking together, which is part of the reason that I think the Suriname toad is a bad, terrible frog. It sounds like a snap, but with a metallic tinge? Kind of, yeah. I mean, the way I think about it is, you know, when a, a machine, like a fan or something is not working properly, and you can hear two metal <laughs> objects kind of grating and snapping. <laughs> That's essentially their, their fuck sound. That's what they make when they wanna okay. have babies. So if a female frog hears this terrible metal grating noise and they like what they hear, they lock together with the male and they do a synchronized swimming routine until they need a breather. <gasps> After that, they float back to the river bottom and the male lays on their back while the female lays on top. So they're stomach to stomach in a little sandwich. Girls on top, that's cool. That's modern, all right. <laughs> Cowgirl. Yeah, while they're sitting on the bottom, sandwiched together, the female lays their eggs, which the male fertilizes, and then they do a really terrible thing. Like worse than anything I've no. seen so far. They eat each other. That would not be efficient like in evolution. <laughs> Go on. So the male uses his legs to brush the eggs into the skin of the female's back. <gasps> the eggs implant in the skin, they sink in, and the skin grows pockets around them. Mm-mm. 
The young in the eggs live in these pockets for 12 to 20 weeks. The eggs develop into tadpoles and then into little toadlets, dozens of which will eventually burst from the pockets in their mother's skin. And frankly, this is a terrifying image. I have seen this. <laughs> I have seen this. I didn't know that this was that frog. This is the trypophobia frog. Yes. That got its internet fame maybe like 10 years ago and gave everybody... I. I really do have trypophobia. I don't even like eating arrow bars anymore. Yeah, for anyone suffering from trypophobia, this is pretty much unbearable. I don't know. I don't find it that gross. Maybe because I haven't seen the picture. I haven't seen a video of this. But it doesn't sound that more heinous than a mammalian birth where we pop a bunch of um, things out of our bodies. You know, this is fair. It might be just a difference of like aesthetic opinion. But yeah. keep in mind, we're popping a lot of things all together and like <laughs> a human baby is pretty still until it comes out Suriname toads yeah. are fully moving around while they're still no, hanging it's, inside a mama yeah yeah, no, it, it, it's pretty awful to watch. Like you just, you know what's going to happen because you click the clickbait and then you see them mm -hmm. and they're squirming and there's something about the squirming that makes you want to die. Like it, it really does. Mm. We, we will have to watch it later. Anyway, no, that's not a lie because I've definitely seen it regrettably with my own eyes. Worst mm -hmm. frog ever. Worst from beginning to end. First of all, synchronized swimming, lame. <laughs> <laughs> Start there. And then, yeah, that's terrifying. Yeah, so that's our special frog okay. number one. And we're starting off with the nasties. Special frog number two is the Branco tree frog. So the Branco tree frog is also from South America, also the Amazon River Basin. They live near the Branco River, which is where they get their name from. The Branco tree frog, though, is a good, honorable frog. So they're from the Hylidae yeah. family. This includes most frogs that we refer to as tree frogs, and they spend much of their time in the trees. So they've got kind of like a green, mm -hmm. mossy appearance, but in general, mm -hmm. frog body plan, they look pretty normal. They're not a pancake like a Suriname toad. So just before the start of the rainy season, the male Branco tree frogs will gather near the edge of the rivers and sing a song consisting of a series of whoops and whistles. So this is one you can find a recording of, and it's a pretty sweet little song, honestly. So when the females find their preferred mate, the male climbs onto the female's back and holds on in a position called amplexus. It's essentially a piggyback, but they're holding very tight with their legs wrapped around the female. So rather than going down into the river, as a typical frog would, the female will climb a nearby tree, but with the male still hanging on her back. And they're often yeah. battling against other needy, desperate males who are trying to separate the two and take the chosen male's place. <laughs> this is so romantic. That's so adorable. I love that, again, um, it feels like to me that the female of the species is an active participant. Like she's the one hauling his ass up the tree. It is kind of a reoccurring theme in frogs that the males are kind of, you know, they like their singing. They like showing off a little <laughs> yeah. bit. They're very yeah. flashy. They're, they're femboys. Yeah. yeah. This is... Male wife, yeah. and then girl a boss. Big old frog. chunky female shows up and does most of the work. When will a man cling tightly to my back and allow me to climb a tree while we fight off uh, our our adversaries, <laughs> enemies, our adversaries slash suitors is the, the slash key suitors, suitors, our enemies to lovers. <laughs> when will we do that? Oh, that I think that's so sweet. But also, like, is it just is she like going to select the best frog? Like, a, are all the frogs going to swarm and she's going to be like, actually, you on my back? 
it's been real, but that that frog is technically better? So is that kind of the deal? It's a good question. Presumably the quality of the song has something to do with it. Like a male who's singing very loudly will draw in more females. But also I think part of it is just that initial scramble to get on the back and fight the other males to get there. Got so it. it's not like birds where the females are you know, being very particular, they're really watching the male, judging him, looking at his nest. With frogs, mm. it's more of like a free-for-all scramble with a bit of like a singing competition element to it. I love that. Okay, so yeah, moving on to the interesting part with the Branco tree frogs, okay. since this is, you know, pretty typical frog stuff so far. So once the female has carried their deadbeat mate up the tree, they seek out a bromeliad <laughs> or a flower where some water has pooled in the tree and they lay their eggs in there. So at this point, the male has finally learned the true meaning of family and he <laughs> sticks around to look after the tadpoles while the female goes to hunt and replenish her energy later on. So during the rainy season, when there's a lot of moisture in the trees, you know, they've got these pools of water, uh, the eggs hatch and the tadpoles will hang out in their little bromeliad pool nursery. So they eat a mucus-like secretion that the male produces just to keep them fed while they're young. And meanwhile, the river below is flooding. The forest is entirely flooded in this region. So once the rainy season ends and the flooding subsides, the father will actually tap the sides of the bromeliad with his foot to signal to the tadpoles that it's time to quit being a baby and jump from their home into the shallow waters below. So that's where they finish growing. They kind of slide jump out of that tree into the water, and then they'll start their metamorphosis into an adult frog. That is so sweet. I, I That's just, almost too romantic. I, of it. It's very <laughs> idyllic. It's very, it's very sweet. It's very specific too. It's like a very, spe it's like the bromeliad flower, just like this one yeah. flower. I mean, it's, it's not a specific flower necessarily. No, it's any plant or... Like, there's a oh, lot in the okay. Amazon, these flowers. There are pitcher plant type things. There's bromeliads. There's leaves mm. that just hold water. Plants, okay. the plants do it to attract insects that they will then digest, typically, so. I will agree with you that this is a good frog. Like, they, you know, they reject dental care, but they, they love them some paternity leave, some paid paternity leave. I'm loving that. I have a general frog question, somewhat related to the Branco. Which frog sings your favorite song? or makes the best sound in your opinion? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know if I have a strict favorite. And part of the reason for that is that when I do have a favorite song, like many people, it's because I associate that song with an important like moment in my life. Mm -hmm. So I, I personally prefer the frog songs that I remember from my childhood because I knew that I was going to go and catch a frog. Aww. That's so strange to me because like when I think of frogs, I don't think of different noises. I just think croak. The croak, like, yeah. I, I, yeah, the croak. Yeah, they get pretty out there. I mean, it's not, once again, not as distinct as birds. Like we imagine bird song being very complex or whale song. But different species mm -hmm. do have distinct calls and there's often patterns to them. But no, I, I specifically remember once, Alex, you and I, you you and I and sort of our friend group, we went for this night walk and we were we were it, it was like pitch black and we we're going 
on a path alongside this marsh and you're just like everybody shush and we just hear we we tune in and we realize like some of that background ambient noise is actually like frogs mm -hmm. and like i realize like how much i probably i probably don't think about it properly like i hear peeps or croaks or whatever and i'm just like those are just general forest sounds but like i remember we were all with you and we just really tuned in and mm -hmm. it was a little horrifying because i was like we are surrounded <laughs> we're outnumbered uh mm -hmm. they're always watching frogs you know oh yeah the scariest thing you can do in the forest at night is just listen yeah exactly you're gonna realize pretty quick that there are things all around you that you cannot see or detect the motion of that can be as close to you as they want to be oh completely haunting completely haunting mm -hmm. all right uh let's hear the let's 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 hear the third fro frog frog story okay so special frog number three is the sleepy-eyed tree frog so sleepy-eyed tree frogs are yet another south american weirdo frog the mm -hmm. sleepy-eyed tree frog has a very pointed appearance. Uh, they kind of look like a leaf that is disappointed in you. <laughs> They're noted for mostly eating other frogs and their gaping behavior, which is self-explanatory. Can we rewind to the part where you said they eat other frogs? Really? That was your takeaway? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that is that is pretty shocking. You weren't interested in the second thing I said. What was, no. Well, I am. I am. I, I want to go back to the gaping. I, what did you say? Gaping abilities? Yeah. So we'll start with eating other frogs. This isn't uncommon in tropical areas that have a wide diversity of frogs in the same way that some lizards will eat other lizards some birds eat other birds as for the gaping uh, just to be clear it is the frog opening its mouth extremely wide when it feels threatened <gasps> so they just shove their mouth open and stare at you until you go away see that feels that evolutionarily invite me in yeah, yeah like a poor, kind of a poor decision in my because i think yeah. the inside of your mouth is a very vulnerable place. So it kind of feels a little counterintuitive. Um, no but it disrespect. Kinda, it reminds me of chimpanzees. I don't know if this is an actual accurate fact. Chimpanzees are living, they are living weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> they have the strongest, most powerful like Thor hammer fists and crazy teeth and uh, are just like disturbingly built, okay? Frogs are more or less defensive. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean they're they, soft. They, they they don't got they don't got shit to back that. Yeah. Up. <laughs> they don't even have teeth. Um so this is a species that has some teeth. Although not large, you wouldn't notice them if you saw the the gaping behavior. So the sleepy-eyed tree frogs don't have vocal sacs or vocal slits, and as far as we know, they don't have any sort of mating call. They've never been observed to congregate for breeding either, and frankly, we have no idea how these loners get laid. It may very well involve the gaping. Sorry. So the larger they can gape? This is the more purely speculation, but since we know that they don't sing, that is just as likely as anything else. So how do they mate, though? So when they do mate, they manage to hook up somehow, and this is where things get interesting, as we're learning. So the sleepy-eyed tree frogs are close relatives of a family of frogs that are referred to as marsupial frogs. And these frogs, oh. like a kangaroo or an opossum, they have a pouch where they keep their young. And the main difference is that the pouch is on their back, and it holds way more babies than you think it should be able to. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> this seems to be a recurring trend with frogs, where it's like, it's one singular awful thing, but multiplied. Yeah, multiplied applied but yeah they're always at yeah. capacity uh with their disgusting <laughs> babies all they right, just go, go all out so sleepy-eyed tree frogs aren't <laughs> 
so creative, they don't actually have a pouch themselves. They just kind of glue all the eggs to their back. So the sleepy-eyed tree frogs mate on land. They don't need access to water. And the female lays eggs usually around 11, but up to 18, and the male fertilizes them. And then similar to our friend the Suriname toad, the male will push these eggs onto the female's back, but in this case, they just kind of stick there. Like just like with secretions? Yeah, the eggs essentially have like a jelly coating. And when that dries, mm. it becomes very sticky. Delicious. Go on. So it's worth noting that these eggs are some of the largest eggs laid by frogs. And it basically looks like the equivalent of a human carrying around a sack containing 10 to 15 newborn babies. Oh, God. This is why frogs are not part of the mainstream psyche. They're disgusting, horrendous little creatures. <laughs> no, that's what I... But no, I, I don't know. I think it's not too late. Like, I would love to see Kermit with like a sack of you know, like Maltesers <laughs> on his back. And and everyone's like, uh, Kermit, what the fuck is that? And he's like, I don't, I can't, I'm not going to do the Kermit voice. It's like, these are my uh, frog pig babies, you know? He's um, like a hand puppet with a plastic bag full of finger puppets. Exactly. On his back. Oh, wouldn't that be? And they're just horribly deformed frog piggies. I think it would give his character the spice that he needs. Otherwise, you know, he's just the straight man in the Muppet world. A straight man with a fabulous uh, neck accessory. Yeah, we need we need him to really queer it up. Um, <laughs> we we need some frog pig babies. I I think Renee meant like comedy straight man, but yes, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is what I meant. I didn't realize, I didn't know that's where you were going with it. But I, at the same time, in my heart, I agreed. I was like, yeah, he needs yeah, to clear yeah, yeah. it up. No, because we've already, we've already established that the frogs seem to be femboys. So I went with. Yeah. And Kermit is canonically straight, which we don't know about many of the other Muppets. So. Yeah, that's true. And exactly. he is, he does have that docile male frog behavior. Like, I think if him and Miss Piggy were to have some sort of mating ritual it would involve him clinging to her back yeah or getting well, pancaked know. or getting pancaked like i just feel like it, it's like i'm just saying mm -hmm. i think jim henson really thought about this and i think we need to give <laughs> kermit more credit not less this is fair you know in the subtle ways it's surprising how much he got right so sorry just to to finish up with the sleepy-eyed tree frog so the eggs that have been stuck to the back they develop directly into small frogs they skip the tadpole stage altogether and after oh. hatching the little frog will continue to hang on to their mom's back. Uh, no doubt being a freaking hassle, but at least not bursting through her skin like a no good Suriname toad. Agree. I want to know more about the fact that they don't have a tadpole stage. Yeah. So that means they're one of the few frog species that did not catch on to the genius idea that is to let your fetuses just out early uh, for a swim. Yeah, so the tadpole stage is a good strategy if you are okay being dependent on water because the tadpoles mm. need water from something, whether it's a pond, whether it's a plant, mm. they need some sort of source of water. As for whether these frogs had that strategy, and then gave up on it, or whether they are just using their ancestral strategy of hatching directly into little frogs. I'm not totally sure. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a note. I've been I, making notes. Yeah, I can oh, see that because... she's writing stuff down. <laughs> All right. So the last special frog that I have for you guys today is the gastric brooding frog. And so if you can think through those two terms, <laughs> it quickly becomes apparent what we're going to be dealing with here. So unfortunately, this frog has a pretty tragic story, and it's one that's all too common in these trying times. The gastric brooding frogs were from the rainforests of eastern Australia. So they're our first 
non-South American frog today. And I say were, since they were last observed in the 1980s and are current believed to be extinct. The species mm. wasn't super obviously exciting. They were medium-sized, they were plainly colored, they had a typical frog body plan. Uh, but nonetheless, for reasons that will become clear pretty quickly, their extinction was an immeasurable loss. We failed them. Aww. Yeah, pretty big time. I, I, my next question was, was it our fault? <laughs> of course it was. I'm sorry. It was our it, fault. It was. Uh, <laughs> what did okay. we do to them? What did we do? We gave them a pandemic. Oh, damn it. We're so good at that. <laughs> yeah, we are. So male gastric brooding frogs would wait in the wooded streams that they like to live in, and they would give an inflected eem, eem kind of call. So not the most unique, but, you know, not grating their throat bones together. And it's unknown if mating occurred in the water where they hung out or on the river's edge. But what we do know is that after laying their eggs together, the female promptly ate the eggs. Okay, that sounds inefficient. Um, and fake! Think. You're willing to think that. Okay. <laughs> You're more than welcome. So to go on, the females were known to lay around 40 eggs, and they were known to carry about 20 to 25 froglets to term, meaning that they either did not eat all of the eggs all the time, they digested some of them before they were able to develop, or that the froglets ate some of their siblings while in the mother's stomach. Sorry, so you're telling me that the gestational area for these frogs is in the stomach? Yes, in the stomach. Gastric. All right. But how do they not digest their own babies? And also, they di they, maybe they deserve that pandemic. Did we ever consider that angle? <laughs> because these frogs sound horrible. I just don't get the mechanics. I do have an answer for your question, Renee. And it's that, so the eggs and later the froglets were known to produce a chemical called prostaglandin E2. And this prevented the production of hydrochloric acid in the mother's stomach, and it prevented the mother from digesting all of the eggs and actually from eating anything else during the remainder of the pregnancy, which took at least six weeks. They So they wouldn't eat for six weeks? They do not eat for six weeks. They did not. They don't eat anything anymore. <laughs> dark but respect um wow that's that's insane no wow. i mean that makes sense i mean if you believe the rest of the mythos if you take it at face value <laughs> then sure yeah you're aggressively going for this one yeah this is um chris has stopped taking notes <laughs> <laughs> yeah my hands are just on my armrest right now she's they're like just dutifully like... noting throughout the podcast and yeah. on the fourth you, one she's you... like no <laughs> No, this, I, I feel like we, we've gotten to a point where it's just like Alex as Dungeon Master, and this is his D&D &D world, and he is straight up making up things. Because, you know, I don't know. Very fair. I don't not believe it. Okay, yeah, um, fair enough. I think the stomach is a fine choice for a place to put 40 babies. I can't think of a, just to be clear, a, a, another cavity. They may or may not put the 40 babies in the stomach, and if they do, some of them don't grow into babies. Right. Fair enough. Fair So it's enough. not a perfect plan. Like, they prevent all the eggs from being digested, but we think for some reason some of them didn't make it. No, it is not a perfect plan at all. Um, I feel like most other animals were like, we have wombs, we have stomachs, you know, no need to, yeah, yeah. No need to fuck it's with that. It's unconventional, I'll give you that. Mm. So as the froglets grew, 
the mother's stomach expanded to fill most of the body cavity, deflating the lungs and forcing the mother to rely on oxygen exchange through their skin, which is something that frogs in general do, but their preference is to use their lungs if air is available. When the froglets were finally mature, the mother would slowly regurgitate them over the course of a week. However, they were observed on some occasions to projectile vomit all of the froglets simultaneously if they were disturbed. <laughs> <laughs> no uh, way no, imagine no, if humans no, no. did that imagine if humans threw up their babies imagine if humans gave birth on command upon becoming scared <laughs> just like oh i'm not feeling it i'm a little stressed and then baby's just out honestly very very preferable to what we actually do i i don't have the right to hate on any single creature uh for how they do it because yeah preferable although at the same time not eating for six weeks while you're pregnant i mean very hard it's it's a little i would say this is one of the top 10 misogynistic frogs in the world like they do not they don't take care of their ladies they're like you don't even get lungs for six weeks girl like um we're just depriving you of your basic needs yeah so I mean, I would like to say more about the gastric brooding frog, but we really didn't know about them for that long. We had only discovered mm -hmm. them, I believe, 10 or 20 years before they were going extinct. Sadly, they are known to have gone extinct. At least we haven't observed any since the 1980s, like I mentioned. Maybe they're hiding from us, projectile vomiting behind our backs, like I do when we get drunk and I don't want you guys to know. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. We might have just embarrassed them into, into hiding yeah. out somewhere, but... So how did we, I don't know if you know the answer to this, you, you, said, we said, you said we gave them a pandemic. What exactly did we do there? Yes, so this is suspected because we know that other frogs were affected by the same disease around the same time. It was a fungus, which is still around today. It's known as Batrachochytrium dendropatitis. We call it BD, or chytrid fungus for short. And we can't say 100% that this is what wiped them out. There was also logging in the region, but studies mm. of areas that had been logged showed that the frogs typically just moved upstream or downstream to a forested patch. Uh, versus this was a case of scientists essentially going out to check on the frogs one year and finding that they were just gone. Oh, that's heartbreaking. I think that there was a very creepy little boy who went and hunted all of them down. <laughs> this is my theory. Alex, where were you in the year 1985? I was but a twinkle in my teenage father's eye. <laughs> I guess Aww. my dad would well, have been would have been in his 20s perhaps oh, maybe your dad time. did it did your dad do it nah he was busy oh. <laughs> <laughs> he was going back to high school so he could go to university good alex dad facts yeah yeah i know i'm like i got got nothing to say about that i just like good for him yeah <laughs> he's got a good backstory he loves to just like drop information he's never told us at family gatherings so we instituted sorry like we we propagated some fungus we introduced a fungus the fungus is believed to originally be from Asia. So it's it's kind of similar to what happened in the Americas when humans came over, in that they were coming from a region where there were a lot of diseases that had existed endemically for a long time that didn't really affect the local population a lot. But upon moving to a new place that had no previous exposure, it just wiped things out. Wait, are you talking about like colonization time or when humans first came over? Oh, sorry. I mean colonization time when Europeans <laughs> yeah. first came over. However, yeah, yeah, yeah. we know 
know that a lot of large mammals died off when humans first came over, so it's possible we were doing yeah. it before it was cool. Oh, they're so lucky. Mm. They got to kill off the mammoths. Yeah, we just killed them off. Boring. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that is very unfortunate. I'm very sad to hear about. Sorry, is it is it actually called? You said gastric brooding. Gastric fraud? brooding fraud. Gastric brooding fraud. All right, terrible name, but they still deserve to be here. <laughs> Terribly accurate. So I do have kind of a silver lining and it's a weird one and it's that yeah. there's a good chance that the gastric brooding frog may be one of the first species to be de-extincted by human intervention and it's Yay! because we have tissue samples from the 1980s frozen they have been successful in getting an embryo to develop from these tissue samples mm. however we haven't managed to grow one to term to be in a free living frog however this would still put them ahead of the mammoth de-extinction people in terms of you know chance of success oh. They want to bring back the mammoth? People are trying. We have frozen mammoth tissue. Do they not realize that the climate (laughs) isn't exactly conducive to such a a mammal right now? So there's debate with the mammoths, at least depending on the species. There were mammoths, mastodons. There were a lot of elephant species alive in the last glaciation period. And not all of them lived in icy areas. Many of them were just like grassland steppe animals what i want to see is i i do want you know i would like for humanity to do like jurassic park but just with mammoths and gastric brooding frogs mm-hmm. um i i like and, and the whole thing you know we eventually get overrun by the gastric brooding frogs mm-hmm. yeah you know here we go mm-hmm. number number four it's jurassic world and the gastric brooding frogs have pretty much taken I mean, over mm-hmm. that's what i want if you're see. making a park of frogs that have been cloned then the fact that they have frog dna that lets them change frog sex is actually very advantageous that's yeah. a non-issue in the because isn't jurassic that what park. happens that's what happens in the original jurassic park yeah because they use um frog dna to yeah. to fill the, fill in the gaps for the tyrannosaurus rex and then that's how they start breeding yep so if you're filling the gaps in a frog with frog and then you only have to clone one and then one of them sex swaps and now you have two so to follow up my good news there is bad news We already got the bad news. No, the bad news gets a lot worse. And it's that this same fungus that was believed to have killed off the gastric brooding frogs has now spread worldwide. And it's driven many other frog populations to endangerment or extinction. Worse still, it's not even the only serious disease affecting frog populations worldwide. Climate change and environmental destruction are also major factors that threaten the long-term survival of frogs. And we know that frogs are more threatened than any other vertebrate group and that they have been steadily declining in population since the 1950s. That's terrifying because we never really know how important they are to the ecosystem. We never really understand things like that like we don't understand the ramifications of species extinctions until much later sometimes and so that is terrifying to to be like okay what what happens to the rest of the world and to the links that the frogs are connected to uh and that's just it's just sad because now i'm thinking of Papa frog and mama frog and baby tadpole Mm -hmm. frog all of them are disappearing okay this was much worse. It got much worse. Yeah. Like when we say all, we do mean frogs on every continent that has frogs. And really? it's not like a species here or there. It's like there are areas in all Central frogs? America where we have just seen frogs 
be almost wiped off the map. Yeah. Holy shit. Some good news. In my city, I saw a dead frog carcass um, in my hometown in India. So that means there's some live frogs somewhere around there, which is some something to look forward to. That means that there was at least one live frog. <laughs> <laughs> Carissa, what if that was the last frog? You, you don't know. I, well, so, I mean, just to follow that up, like, I don't know if you have the answer to this or if anybody does, but from, like, a conservationist, like, standpoint, like, what's what can we do for the frogs right now? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, so it really depends on the frog in question. I mean, depending on their life history, it could be a matter of defending a certain body of water, preventing mm. the spread of like boat ballast and things that might contain these pathogens to that body of water. So it could be a matter of land conservation. It could be a matter of, you know, slowing down the international transport of these introduced species. We are moving exotic frogs from Africa, Asia, South America, worldwide throughout the pet trade. That's likely a big oh, contribution. No. Yeah, it's it's a very specific to the species problem. But the good news that I know of is that there are a number of talented people researching these diseases that are driving frogs to extinction and also working to conserve their populations. So uh, mm. if you guys or the listeners are interested in frog conservation, I highly recommend reaching out to your local conservation authority, learning more about your local amphibian species. And for those who are interested in frog disease research, I recommend the works of uh, both Professor Louise Rollins-Smith, who's from Vanderbilt University, and of course my PhD supervisor, uh, Professor Barb Katzenbach, and the rest of the Katzenbach lab nice. here at the University of Waterloo. Wonderful. We like ending on a message and a shout out. Uh, well, unless you have any any concluding frog facts you'd like to share with us before we move on to guessing your life. Uh, no, I don't have anything else unless you guys have any questions. No, I think we... I think I'm I good. think we've heard everything <laughs> that we need to hear, okay? Right. I think we've got this. All okay. right. So, uh, name the frogs, because now Carissa and I, we're going to work as a team. We're going to try to guess which of these stories yeah. you completely made up. Uh, Carissa yeah. and I are usually playing opposite each other. So, this is this is like a, ooh, this is like a sequel, <laughs> sequel energy, you know? We got to, opposing forces got to team up. Rivals and, to uh, friends. Defeat. The Ottomans and the, who, who did the Ottomans fight with in World War One? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Don't start historical references you can't finish. Uh, that's, <laughs> Greeks, that's just as a general probably. rule. Um, sure. I was thinking like in one of the Pokemon movies where they have to team up with like Team Rocket. <laughs> does that even happen? Did I just make that up? No, that happens. I think that does happen. Exactly. And here we are. You and I were teaming up to defeat a, a stronger power, which is Alex. He brought the science. He brought it. He did. Down. He brought the science down on us. To our level. And we're buried beneath the science rubble. And so, Alex, yeah. one more time. Tell us about those frogs. All right. Real quick. You must choose the falsest of my four special frogs. Number one, the Suriname <laughs> toad. Number two, the Branco tree frog. Number three, the Sleepy-eyed tree frog. Or number four, the extinct gastric brooding frog. Renee, go on. Tell me your gut feeling. Which one's false? Okay. My gut feeling. I'm going to start. Yeah. Sleepy eye tree <laughs> frog. Feeling. Sleepy eye tree frog. Number one, the name. I feel like this is just something cute that Alex calls Hannah. I think he made that up completely. <laughs> Hannah's his partner. Hannah's his, his, his fiance. fiance. 
It just sounds like something um, that he would say, like, good morning, my sleepy-eyed tree frog. And then he was like, <laughs> you know, what if uh, what if I created an entire species of frog? So I want to say that. And then they're the ones with the gaping abilities. They're the gapers. The gaping abilities. Gapers. Something about this is just, is just a little bit suspicious. It's a little bit unfinished. If it's real, I feel like it wasn't God's finest design. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know. He didn't even come up with a great mating, like how they how they get together kind of meet cute story, right? So I feel like God yeah. might have been slacking on that one a little bit. I don't yeah. know. There's something about was was there something else about that one? Oh, that's the one where they carry the babies on the back, and it's all like in a sticky little. Yeah, gel. In a jelly. Like a glue. In a glue. That's correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like that was, <laughs> it was just a little too, like, inconspicuous, you know? The whole okay. thing's a little inconspicuous. Um, I like, you know what, Renee? I like all the things that you said because those were the things that also made me suspicious of the sleepy-eyed tree frog. Okay. But now, when you say it, I think to be on the safe side, I should pick something else. Well, yeah, we well, let's hedge our bets. Like, you, what's your? Yeah. What was your thing? And then we'll see. Well, I do find the Branco tree frog suspicious only because the weird mating thing where they climb on top of each other and hop on a tree where they fight off suitors. It's a little bit much. No? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not uncommon in frogs. Like, I guess you have to not, take me at my word. Not uncommon, but. he says. Listen, this is the thing about Alex. He can say anything he fucking wants. So, like, <laughs> we have prior frog knowledge. I think, like, his first fact was frogs don't have necks and we were like what like we're amazed by every <laughs> single fact that we've heard today so you can say anything okay let's go let's go with the sleepy-eyed tree frog is it uh okay wait hold on last before a we, disappointed leaf hold on he called it a disappointed leaf is that the one that was the disappointed yeah, a leaf, leaf that's disappointed leaf, with you yeah. disappointed with you real quick you don't have any qualms about the last one because i know you had strong emotions about it and and to me, the fact that it was extinct and now we're bringing it back, that whole fantastical premise is suspicious. So I was hoping you would have the courage to... I feel like it's so ridiculous and he might have put it there to throw us off. Like, is science at the stage that we are Jurassic Parking... Uh, extinct creatures like he said they couldn't grow full embryo if he wanted to lie he could have told us that they brought us back brought it back but the fact that he allowed for some failure means that Alex maybe what is your what right. is your comment would I dare disrespect the legacy of a frog that has passed before its time <laughs> if it wasn't real then yeah you could disrespect it any way you want so I don't know uh okay are you you want to go with sleepy eye tree frog Carissa okay no I'm or, gonna hedge let's hedge our bets let me go with something else. Let me go with the Bronco or the Branco tree frog. Wait, we don't get two guesses. I'm sorry. We get one unified answer. Hell no. But we are, we always guess separately. So I'm no, kind no. of uncomfortable working with you. Okay, fine. <laughs> I'm okay, uncomfortable working with you. That should be the ta new tagline of our podcast. <laughs> A sense of discomfort uh, lies within. You choose because I realized I went through our episodes. I have not guessed correctly once i've never guessed yeah, you, correctly well in the old days i think you have did i okay well recently i haven't guessed once so <sighs> you get to do this the gastric brooding frog i think 
I think the sleepy eyed tree frog is real because I wrote it in my notes. This is real. You wrote that. In I your don't notes. know why. I don't know why I wrote that, but I did write this is real. That's true. Something must have pinged. <sighs> okay, so then, okay, are we going with the gastric brooding? What, wait, wait, can I know the scientific name of the gastric brooding frog? You, uh, okay. Like it's Latin bipartite name? Yeah. I will have to yeah. double check it. I'm not good at memorizing Latin. I, Carissa, I feel like that was, that was a foul. That was a foul. You can't ask. How is that a foul? You can't ask for How's further information after the... After the buzzer. No, it's okay. No, I have can't. Latin names for all of them. So Even the fake one, you psycho? Yeah, even the fake one. <laughs> I was aware that this could be a detail. So the gastric brooding frogs were members of the genus Rheobatrachus. Rheobatrachus. What, what, what did you want to do with that information, Carissa? Were you going to pull out your big dictionary of Wait, uh, can Latin? I, can I get all of them? Can I get all of them? I need to, I need to know. Surinam toad was pipa pipa that sounds like a mating call for a frog it does actually and not even the right mating call because they have an ugly one instead the branco tree frog yep. is boana sesedens and then the sleepy-eyed tree frog is hemifractus helioi there you go carissa what, what were you going to do with that information no googling i <laughs> no, we don't Google on this show. Hemophractus helioid. You're not gonna. Peepa peepa is suspicious. You're not telling me. You're not telling me. You're suspicious of. I no. I'm telling you. I'm less suspicious of. What was it? Was it peepa peepa or keepa peepa? Peepa peepa. Peepa peepa. Absolutely not. I'm not suspicious of that at all. No, that that's exactly <laughs> what I expect. I think we gotta lock it in. I think we gotta. Okay, Howie let's Mandel, lock it in. Let's lock dealer, it in. No deal. What are you? What are we locking in? <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Gastric, I'm not deciding that. The, you get. I, I want to do the gastric, the one, the gastric brooding frog. We're locking it in. Yeah. We have confirmation. Lock it in. Lock yeah, it we're in. locking it in. Lock it in. You are. Yeah. Bum, ba, na, na. Incorrect. Oh shit. <laughs> and I, uh, I feel a little I bit bad because I thought Carissa deserved a a win on this one, but it was damn it the Branco tree frog. Oh what? Yeah. <laughs> So really? the Branco tree frog is not a species of frog. There is a frog called the Barrow Branco tree frog, which is different from what I've described to you. But it's essentially an amalgamation of a number of different strategies that tree frogs are known to use to breed. So each of those individual details happens in a different species of frog, but I have combined them into a, that's a fictional frog. It's a classic double bluff creation. That's, uh, that's very, a very classic. Renee lie. That's a very Renee that's, yeah, lie. That's very because, classic. No, no, no. Here's, here's the thing, because we have two different lies. Like I realized one lie is like, I will make up something completely out of my ass. Like I will, <laughs> it'll be a, a completely different and obvious lie usually. And Renee will muddle it up um so yeah no I, this is a very renee lie good for you good for you thank you thank you it's so believable it's like yeah why why wouldn't a frog carry its mate on its back up a tree for some reason <laughs> and then beautifully lay some eggs inside of a flower petal like of course like i yeah 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 it does happen <laughs> and i like not with this frog. i like that little like idyllic detail of like they lay it in the flower and then they just like kind of shake it out and they pepper their little babies into a stream like i'm kind of i love that i love that very much 
Oh, I Thank love this. You. Thank you. The whole thing was so interesting. I did not think, like, I am an environment student who has done her best to not take any conservation classes because I don't care about the natural world. Hmm. Um, but this was incredibly interesting, so much so that I think that anyone who has been listening along should really reach out to their own conservation authorities and see what they can do for the froggies around them. Absolutely. Please do. Yeah, so devastated to hear the sad, sad news about the frog world. But so delighted um, with all the stories that we heard today. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thanks again for having me on. Yeah, thanks for guessing. This was a great experience. Yeah. Thanks. Great experience. Okay, this is, uh, this is Double Bluff. Bye. Bye.